Hey, thanks for joining us at Connection Point Church. You know, we would love for you to stay connected and a simple way for you to do that is to subscribe so that each week you can get notified when new content goes live. We'd also love to keep in touch with you throughout the week and the best way to do this is through our Connection Point Facebook page. Now with all that being said, let's go to this week's message with our lead pastor, Zach Maddox. Before coming to Connection Point, our family had lived overseas for some years, and, and when we were living in Jerusalem, I had some meetings uh, one day in the Galilee region I needed to get to, so I jumped in our, our car and, and made what's a couple of hour drive. Uh, I wound up going through the West Bank and the Jordan River Valley to, to get there, and uh, before you get to the Galilee region, there's a, a checkpoint that's manned by Israeli soldiers, and Shelly and the kids weren't with me that day, and and so as I was nearing the checkpoint, then, you know, they check your passport and you kind of get one or two options is, is either they just kind of wave you on and you go on your way or, you know, you were one of the specials selected that day for kind of like a deep dive in your vehicle. So I got the special treatment and, and got to go and go to the side and they, they wanted to go through my car. Now, now I'm a planner by nature. I like efficiency, you know, so, you know, it's a bit inconvenient for them to start going through my vehicle and I try not to be irritated, but, uh, I knew that then I was going to be stuck there for a little while and I might even be late for the meeting I had. And, but then, you know, it dawned on me. I don't have any power in this situation, but let's have some fun with this. And maybe you shouldn't do that. So, you know, Shelly constantly is like, Zach, why? But there's just something in me sometimes, you know? And so I, I pull over to the car. At the, at the time, our three kids are one, four, and seven. Now, I don't know about you, but when those are the ages of your kids, your car's like your second home, right? Like, there's more Cheerios in the seats than in their mouth. And so, I don't like a dirty car, so I just felt like, I've got the time, I'm not going anywhere. So, they want you to start pulling things out of the car because they want to kind of do a search. And, and so, I just felt like, well, let's take advantage of that situation. So, I pull out the car seat and I'm like, bang, 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 all the Cheerios are flowing out, you know, on the ground and pulling out tissues and just throwing things. You know, I'm like, let's just clean out the, uh, you know, I got nothing else to do, I'm just going to clean out the car. The soldiers are watching like, what is this guy doing? And after like 10 minutes of that, they're like, get out of here. You know, like, we don't want you here anymore. <laughs> I don't recommend that kind of stuff, but you know, however God leads you. I don't think that was spirit-led. That was just my response. <laughs> well, what about you? Have you ever been in situations where, where someone with more power than you maybe inconvenienced you? Maybe even harmed you? There's bad examples of that too. Or, or I would say this, you know, how about examples of people who use power in positive ways? Think about teachers or professors or mentors who, who open doors of opportunities for their students. It's a good use of power, right? I think about in the morning, I, I drive uh, the kids to school and, and I think about the, the police officers that are there to encourage people to monitor their driving because there's kids everywhere. You know what, that's, that's actually a good use of power. There's good examples, but we also know there's negative examples, right? You know, and there's been a lot in the news. I was thinking about that as I was looking at the topic of the message today, a lot in the news about the abuse of power. And I would say this, though, and because of what we see in the world today, we can begin to think that the phrase that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely, we can actually think that that's always true. But it's really not. Because when you look at power or influence, I want us to think about what that is. It's, it's simply the ability to cause or prevent change. It's actually neither a positive or a negative. It's what we do with it that matters. 
And that's what I want us to consider this morning as we continue our series on on Better Together, taking a look at Jesus and his view on, on lots of things, because Jesus defines power in some really interesting ways for us. And it's incumbent for us, if you're a follower of Jesus, to understand how Jesus uses power so that we can walk in the same ways. Because if anybody's going to use power correctly, it's the Son of God. But we can follow his example, too. So if you have your Bibles, and I do, I hope you do, uh, if you're new to Connection Point, we just, it's a weekly reminder of, I really want you daily in God's Word, not just today, but I do hope you have your Bible with you today. We're going to be in Luke chapter 8 today. I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. Uh, We just stand to recognize that this is different than the words I'll share. These are God's word directly to us, and so we don't take that for granted. But a little bit longer passage this morning for us to understand the dynamics of kingdom and power. But we're going to be in Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 40. And here's what Luke writes. Now, when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him, and there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, do not weep for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise, and her spirit returned, and she got up at once, and he directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. These are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. So we we left off in our Better Together series with a message on Jesus and healing. And in that message, we found that we can go to God with our problems, but we should go to God for more than our problems. Yes, God wants to do a work in the problems that you're facing, but he also wants to do a work in us. God always wants to do more. He's always looking at something bigger than what we might be. 
And in that message, we also learn that we're to believe God's word, not our worries. When Jesus speaks, we can trust him to follow through. We can trust God's promises in his word. So we believe God's word, not our worries. And then near the end of that message, we took time to go to Jesus for healing because that's what we should do. When we need healing, we should go to Jesus. It's been really great to hear some of the testimonies of what God had done in in people's lives through that. Uh, I got... uh, um, to hear and talk with, there's uh, somebody who was just tuning in online and, and they had been having foot problems for, for some months and it actually was, was really problematic for them. And, and so they just said, well, Jesus, I'm just trusting for healing. Woke up the next morning, no issues. So praise God for that. Jesus heals today. So when we need healing, that's who we should go to. And in, in the passage we read today, we find Jairus and a woman, they approach Jesus for healing. They're going to the right individual. And from this passage, we see how Jesus uses power. And the first thing we find is this, is that the power of Jesus draws others to him. The power of Jesus, it draws others to him. Our passage tells us that when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him for they were waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus who was a ruler of the synagogue. But why did the crowd welcome Jesus? Why were they waiting for him in this case? It's because Jesus, for some time now, he had been teaching the crowds and he had been healing people. So Jesus had been setting people free physically and spiritually, and so they were welcoming him to say, Jesus, we need what you have. And I wonder, is that our heart posture today? That we could approach Jesus, that we would welcome him to say, and know, Jesus, I need what you have. Have you come to that conclusion in your life? And then we also find that the ruler of the synagogue, uh, Jairus, that he humbly approaches Jesus asking for his help. The power that Jesus possessed, it drew others to him. And can I say, it draws people to him still. All over the world. So if you're in need of healing, whether that's physical, emotional, relational, or spiritual, my encouragement would be, go to Jesus. Seek Jesus. I loved, I told Shelly as we were in our time of song and looking at our prayer team members and everyone was praying for somebody. Praise God. So let me say, if you're responding to say, Jesus, I know that you're the answer, that's a wonderful thing. But if you're not there, may you get there today. Jesus is the answer. So the next time you or someone you know is experiencing physical or or emotional challenges, ask Jesus to heal you and the one that you love. If you're not, in a saving relationship with Jesus. It all starts there, and I encourage you, respond to him today. Make today the day that you say, Jesus, I know that I need you, because he wants to heal you spiritually as well. And we're gonna see that as we continue in our passage. The power that Jesus possesses, it should draw us to him. And why? Because Jesus uses power to restore people. I love this. This is how Jesus uses power. He uses it to restore people. After the crowds, they welcome Jesus, and and Jairus approaches him. Jesus begins to make his way through the crowd. People are pressing all around him. A woman touches the garment of Jesus, the fringe of his garment, it says, and she's healed. The woman has been sick with, with menstrual bleeding for 12 years. It's a long time. And what does Jesus do? He stops the procession, and he demands to know who touched him. The woman reluctantly comes forward. She shares her story and then is sent on her way healed. She's made whole completely. And I want us to see 
how that happens and, and what Jesus is doing here. And then Jesus proceeds on to Jairus' house from there. And if you've been a part of the Christian faith for some time, you're probably familiar with this story, but what I'd like to do is actually do a deeper dive into some of the social dynamics that are in play in this story that maybe you've not seen before. Because there's a lot in this narrative that we can learn as it relates to Jesus and power. So I want us to think for a moment about which characters in this narrative, in this story, would have had more social power and why. Uh, on, On the screen behind me, I think they made a table. Yep, that'll work. There's, there's a table that basically explains, here's some of the social dynamics at play in this story. Number one, we have Jairus, who's a man. We have a bleeding woman. We have Jairus, who's named Jairus. What's interesting is, we don't even know this woman's name. She's nameless. Jairus, he has his own home. This bleeding woman, she spent all of her monies on doctors that couldn't help. Jairus is the leader of the synagogue. He's got standing in that community. This woman hasn't been allowed in the synagogue for 12 years because of her ritual uncleanness. This person, Jairus, he's important in society. This woman, she's been marginalized in society for a dozen years. Jairus, he's got social standing to approach Jesus and ask for healing, so he can do that. He's got the social standing to make that request. This woman can only secretly touch Jesus and hope for healing. Jairus is ritually clean so he can invite Jesus into his home. This woman is ritually unclean, so she can't touch anyone without making them unclean. There's some really interesting things happening here. It's easy to see in this situation that Jairus has far more social power than the bleeding woman. But in this story, Jesus is the person with the most social power. Crowds are following him. Multitudes are asking for healing. A leading man in the town, he prostrates himself before him. And so what Jesus chooses to do with his power provides a powerful example for us. Let me say this. It would have been simple for Jesus to allow the bleeding woman to be healed and continue on to Jairus' house with no one wiser except the woman. He could have done that, right? But that's not what he chose to do. And I say this because this would have been the path he chose if he was ignoring his social power. But notice, that's not what Jesus does. Instead, Jesus stops the procession, which makes Jairus wait. He identifies the bleeding woman, has her share her story of bleeding and healing in front of the entire crowd. And I mention this here because there are some who would say all power and influence is evil, but it's not. It's not true. Are there people in our society who use power poorly, who abuse others? Absolutely. We know that to be true. But power and influence used for kingdom purposes, used in the way that Jesus intends and in the way that he models for us, it has the ability to restore people to their God-given potential. So he wants to use it rightly. He doesn't ignore his social power. He simply uses it in the right way. So I want us to look at why Jesus stops the procession and has the woman share her story. Think about it. Forcing a woman to share about a decade, more than a decade of menstrual bleeding, it's socially awkward at best, right? I'm not bringing that woman up on the stage because that's interesting, right? Except Jesus calls her out. Why would he do such a thing? Jesus asks this woman to share her story because he's not only concerned with her physical healing, 
He's also concerned about her socially and emotionally as well. I want us to think about that today. Notice how Jesus addresses her after she shares her story with the crowd. Daughter, daughter. I love that designation. Your faith has made you well. Her healing, what Jesus was trying to do, Jesus, the most socially significant person in this story, he raises up the most socially insignificant person in the story and restores her to the place that God intended. Her healing was physical, emotional, social, and spiritual. She was welcomed into the family of Jesus, his daughter. She's no longer banished. She's been publicly declared as accepted. She's now welcome in the crowd. She's now welcome in the synagogue because all of her uncleanness is gone. Isn't that amazing? Jesus raises her up. Jesus wasn't trying to humiliate her. He was holistically healing her. That's what he was after. And that's what the real definition of peace, of what shalom, of what wholeness is. More than just the physical he heals her completely, her standing in the community as well, because Jesus came for human flourishing. Jesus was restoring this woman's place in society. So how does Jesus use power? He takes the natural social dynamics of that situation, and he flips it on its head. Jesus doesn't ignore his social power. Instead, he uses it for the sake of others. He used his social power to restore this child of God who had no power. And so then what are the implications for us? I think there's lots for us to consider this morning. Because as I I think about people in this room and in our overflow rooms or, or tuning in online, I know that in all of our lives we have a social dynamics that's at work in our society and culture, and I think sometimes Jesus means to flip that on its head. Because that's what Jesus does. I I think Jesus asks us to look at our social dynamics and our situations and then determine who has power and who does not. And we are then to use whatever power we've been granted, not for our benefit and self-interest, but for the sake of others. That's the kingdom way. Depending on your setting, your race, your nationality, your gender, your family name, your educational background, your profession, or many other factors that can determine your social power in a certain place. And the question is, if you're the person with greater power, because in every, let me say this, every social situation, there's an uneven balance of social power. And so what are you gonna do with it if you're the one with more? Will you use it for the sake of others? Will you use it for others' benefit? And I would say this, for sure we can struggle with this human condition to use whatever power and influence God has given us in positive and proactive ways. We can struggle to do that. And I think there's a couple of reasons for this. For one, we may not have developed the character necessary for the proper use of power. And you know, I shared in previous messages, we were created to have influence, which is power, but it gets corrupted by evil in our hearts. And so it's important that we have regular encounters with God through his word and prayer and singing and community like what we have here this morning. We need to encounter God so that he can reshape us and change our hearts and reshape his character in us. It's important we partner with the Holy Spirit so that the fruit of the Spirit can mature in our life so we have more love and more joy and more peace and more patience. All of these things are related to our human interactions with others. And Jesus needs to be shaped in us so that we can use our influence rightly. 
We need our character to sustain it. But I would say there's another reason that people abuse power. It's because we've not gone to Jesus for him to transform our pain, and so we transfer it. There's a principle here that pain that we might have experienced, either currently or past, if it's not transformed by Jesus, it gets transferred to another because pain has to nest somewhere. So my question for you this morning is, what are you doing with your pain? Can I tell you, you can go to Jesus for it. You come up here and pray with our prayer teams on a Sunday morning because it's Jesus' desire to transform your pain. He's the one that sets us free. So how are you doing taking time to read God's word? Are you not only reading it, but then applying it to your life? Because that's how we get our changed, is the application. How are you doing spending time in prayer? Are you in a life group where we encourage people to practice those I will statements? Based on what I heard today, here's what I'm going to do this week. And as we start to step that out week by week, day by day, we're slowly changed. So that whatever power and influence that the Lord grants us, we use it in the right ways. And this is important because Jesus uses power to restore people. And he desires us to use power in a similar way. But now how else does Jesus use power? We find that Jesus uses power to grow our faith. Jesus uses power to grow our faith. After the woman is healed, someone from Jairus' house, they, they come to tell the synagogue ruler that his daughter is dead. But Jesus then proclaims, do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And really this goes back to what we talked about in our Jesus and healing message, that we are to believe Jesus and not our worries. Believe Jesus. And this is what Jairus does. I love that this is the example we have. Upon receiving this news, Jairus doesn't then send Jesus on his way. No, he allows Jesus to continue to his house. Jairus continues journeying with Jesus. This is so important this morning. And then Jesus goes into the house and taking with him the girl's parents, Peter, James, and John. He interacts with those who are already there, who consider him a little bit crazy. They do for Jesus. And he takes the girl by hand and proclaims, child, arise. And the girl gets up. And our passage tells us her parents were amazed. Of course they were. We need to remember that in our darkest moments, Jesus has the power to resolve whatever situation we're facing. There is no circumstance too dark. There is no problem too big. There is no issue too immense for Jesus to resolve. None. Somebody needs to remember this morning that Jesus is all-powerful. When we talk about Jesus and power, he's the all-powerful one. He's bigger than your problem. He's stronger than your circumstance. He's mighty to save. That's who Jesus is. And there are times when God allows us to get in over our heads just so that he can show off his power in our lives. There's this misapplication of this verse that, that Jesus won't give us more than we can handle. Okay, that's the temptation. He won't give us more than we can handle in temptation. He gives us a way out. Okay, but I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus will give us more than we can handle. And sometimes he'll do it just so he can show off in your life. And the question is, will we trust him for that? Will we continue journeying with Jesus like Jairus does? Or will we walk away in those moments? Will we not believe Jesus like the, the crowd in Jairus' house who laughed at him? Or will we be faithful to wait and see what Jesus does in our overwhelming moments? When you look at how Jairus responds all along the way, he provides for us, I think, a great example to follow. He knew Jesus could make a difference. So number one, what does he do? He goes to Jesus. 
That's the first thing we do. If we're facing things above and beyond our control, we should go to Jesus. And I should say, even if we're not facing things above and beyond our control, we should be in relationship with Jesus, right? Let's not wait just for those moments. Let's always make it a habit of approaching him. But here's also what I think is interesting with Jairus. He very humbly approaches him. He doesn't approach him and demand that Jesus make a difference in his life. What does he do? He says he, he prostrates himself at the feet of Jesus. Okay, let me tell you, having lived in the Middle East, like the feet are the most offensive body part in the Middle East. So what does Jairus do? He puts himself in the most offensive of positions, humbly seeking help from Jesus. I think that's a good posture. When you approach Jesus, let's approach him in a humble way. And what does Jairus do? After that, he's, he's not deterred when somebody says that his daughter is dead. That doesn't stop Jairus from believing what Jesus can do. No, he stays on the path. He allows Jesus to come and interact and change his circumstances. Instead of believing his worry, Jairus wasn't going to give in to that. He believes Jesus, and he continues with them. And what's the end result? The power of God is displayed in Jairus' situation, and their faith obviously increases. So how, what should we do from Jairus' example? Go to Jesus. Humbly approach him. Journey with him all along the way and be prepared prepare to be amazed at what he does in your situation. Because that's what Jesus does. So if you have a need, let's approach Jesus today. Let's believe Jesus and not our worries because he can change things. And here's what I also want to see and happens next. So after Jesus uses his power, what I think is really cool in our passage and why I read into chapter nine is it's almost like he models the use of power and then what does he do? Now, disciples, I'm giving you power. Go and do likewise. So that's the next thing we find is that we are given power to share good news and set people free. So Jesus displays the use of power. He grants it to the disciples and says, now go and do likewise. And let me say this. Jesus doesn't grant the disciples power for them to lord it over others. That's not what he does. He instead expects the disciples to lay down their egos and self-interest so that others might know and be restored to God. That's why he grants power. In Luke chapter 10, uh, what we find in the next chapter, so Jesus sends out 12 in chapter 9. He sends out 72 in chapter 10. And here's how I know that Jesus doesn't send them out to, to lord it over others to be proud of the power they have because here's what we find. The 72 returned with joy in verse 17 chapter 10 saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So let me pause there. Isn't it amazing that Jesus gives us power to affect darkness in our world today? May we use that power rightly. So Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. Do not rejoice in this power that you're given, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Jesus gives us power through the Holy Spirit so that we might share good news and set people free. That's the most proper use of power according to Jesus in his kingdom. But we don't rejoice in that power. We rejoice in the fact that we have a personal relationship with our creator. That's the greatest thing this morning. Greater than that God gives us power, we have a relationship with him. The power and influence Jesus gives us, he gives us for kingdom purposes. He gives us spiritual gifts so we can effectively share good news and help people find freedom from those things in this life that enslave us. You think about helping to set people free from addictive behaviors, 
from distracting behaviors, from hurtful behaviors. There's lots of those things that Jesus desires to set us free from. And guess what? He's given you power to help set others free too. So you find freedom so that others can find freedom. That's what God's intent is. So the question is this morning, what are you doing with the power that God has given you? You know, if you're an architect, are you building safe spaces for human flourishing? You think about the applications of how God empowers us to make a difference in our world today. If you're a teacher, are you creating safe spaces where students can grow and be encouraged? If you're a farmer, are you engaging in ethical methods of farming? So there's lots of applications of how power can be used rightly. Are you doing that? And I would say this, no matter what profession you have, are you blessing others? Are you blessing others with the good news of who Jesus is? Uh, one of the things that, that we've been um, working in personally and, and talking with church leadership about is rhythms of God, good news sharing. And, and there's this acronym BLESS. I probably should have made a slide for this, so you'll just have to pay attention. It is in the U version notes. BLESS. And here's what the B starts with. Begin in prayer. Who are you praying for? Are there people who don't know Jesus that you're praying for? Could those be neighbors? The next thing is, is are you then not only praying for those people, but are you listening and engaging to their stories? A good way to do that is E, eating with them. Are you having meals with people and listening to their stories? Are you S, finding ways to serve them? And, and then the other S is, are you sharing your good news story with them? My encouragement is, start engaging in, in daily and weekly and monthly rhythms that just allow you to share the good news that God has given you. You've been equipped for it. The Holy Spirit empowers you to do that. And that's what helps set people free. That we've been given power by Jesus to share good news and set people free. So let's use that power in the way that God intends. I'm thinking about, you know, we, we've actually got a number of people in our congregation that are doing just that. They're finding ways to serve in our local community with places like Lafayette Urban Ministry and, and Trinity Mission and, and even our mom's group. I was talking with our mom's group the other day and they were thinking about how can we help our families learn how to abide with their kids. Like all of those are great questions that grows God's kingdom. You should always start in your home first. And let me say even more narrowly, you should start with you first. If God's kingdom is growing in you, it can grow in your family and go outward from there. So start with yourself. May you experience the good news so you can share it with others too. Because we're not to use power for our own benefit, but for the sake of others. So my encouragement is find ways this week to find positive ways as, as a parent, as a teacher, as an employee, as a friend, or in any place that you find yourself Look at the social dynamics. They're always at work and at play. Find ways to use whatever power and influence you have to raise up and restore others. Because in so doing, you'll find greater meaning in life and God's kingdom will advance right where you're at. I'm gonna invite you to stand as we close in song this morning. If you're here this morning, we've talked a lot about what Jesus can do in our lives, but it all starts with approaching Jesus. So have you approached him this morning? Or, or maybe something brought you here today and you're not even sure why, but I can share with you that something is the Holy Spirit. So maybe you're here today and, and you realize as we talk through this passage that you've really never approached Jesus like Jairus did, but today you'd like to do that. So if you're here today in the, in the sanctuary in our overflow rooms or online, I first want to invite you to a relationship with Jesus. Because it all starts there. He can't make a difference in your life if you're not approaching him. So with every head bowed in this room, I, I just want to invite you today. Who here today would say, I, I need to approach Jesus like Jairus did? I need to start that relationship with him today. 
so that he can break into the circumstances of my life and make a difference. Who here today would say that's me? I want to follow Jesus. I want to humbly approach him. Allow him to make a difference in my life. God, we just thank you that you invite us to a personal relationship with you. Your kingdom is not exclusive. It's inclusive. You invite everyone. But yet, Lord Jesus, it is a choice. And so, God, I just pray that we would choose you today. Pray that we would choose you tomorrow and the next day. God, it's a daily choice. And so, God, I just pray for everyone in this room, in this building, in the greater Lafayette area, or wherever people are tuning in today, I just pray, Jesus, that they would dedicate themselves to the proper use of power because you model it for us. So in whatever environment we find ourselves in, Lord, whether that be a workplace, our home, our neighborhood, the grocery store, Jesus, I just pray that we would use power as you intend for the restoration of others. And then, Lord, I pray that we not only create different social dynamics, but God, I pray that we would go out empowered like your disciples, the 12 and the 72, that went out to share good news and saw people healed. So God, I pray that you would send us for that purpose. Lord, may we be good news car- uh, carriers everywhere we go, finding ways to, to pray for people that you put in our heart. Lord, to listen and engage with people in, in where they find themselves, to, to have meals around the table and, and get to know people, find ways to serve them. And Lord Jesus, to be able to share what you've done in us, how you've changed our lives and how you can change theirs too. Lord, I pray that we'd start to live in those rhythms and that we'd start to see your kingdom advance in ever-increasing ways. Lord, do it in us and then do it in others. We trust you for that work, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.